When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Teledabs It Is podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. I am your host, as always, Griffin Youngs. I hope you have enjoyed your weekend as hockey is kind of back. Not like officially back, but there there's stuff going on. Last episode, we talked about development camp practice. Now we've got development camps happening around the league. The Avalanche are two games in. They are one and one. We'll get into those in more detail next episode, but they get crushed by the Kings in their first game. They get shut out 4 to nothing, and they beat the Ducks 5-4 to four in extra time. I've, I don't, I think it was in a shootout, but they blow a two-goal lead with the net empty in a final minute. I don't have a ton of details on those games yet, as the especially the Ducks game kind of like just happened. I'll get plenty of information for Wednesday's episode when we'll do a nice little deep dive into how these couple games have gone before preseason begins, but for now... They're one and one. Looks like Newhook and Byram are doing pretty well. Their first game was not good. The first period of this Ducks game was pretty awful, but they bounce back for a nice little victory. Again, we'll get into all of that and more for Thursday's episode. Today's episode is once again about running down the Central Division, and as I mentioned last episode, we will be talking today about the Minnesota Wilds. So I brought on Isha Jerome of the Soda Pod podcast and co-founder of the Hockey Podcast Network to talk about the Minnesota Wild. We talked about what the hell is going on with Kirill Kaprizov. We talked about the expectations for the Wild in this upcoming season, especially with the upcoming salary cap issues in coming years, the amount of pressure that's going to be riding this upcoming season. And we talked about if he even really liked what Minnesota did this offseason after last season's unexpected successes. And really, I mean, the conversation, as it usually does, kind of went all over the place. I mean, I, I always have a, a little list of questions for each host that I bring on, and I fully warn them ahead of time that that is really just to keep me on track more than anything, because you guys know me. I get very off topic sometimes. I can totally veer in several different directions. That happens a couple times here, but all for the best. We talk about the Danbury Trashers documentary, which I will be watching. He did give me some flack because I haven't watched it yet. I know, I know, I'm the only person who hasn't watched it yet, but I'm watching it tomorrow. I'm watching it tomorrow, that is a guarantee. But all in all, we talked about expectations for Minnesota, if we liked what they did this offseason, and just how they stack up with the rest of the Central Division. You guys know the drill at this point, but this was a great conversation. Isha's always a blast to talk to. 
So I hope you guys enjoy the conversation, and we will talk briefly once it's over at the end of the episode. Hope you guys enjoy. All right, I am joined by my good friend Isha Jerome of the Soda Pod podcast. Isha, how's it going today? How are you doing? Good, man. Glad to be back. Thanks for bringing me on. Yeah, I feel like you guys have been on a lot recently. I looked at back in July, it was the right before I started this series. You guys were the last ones I had on. And believe it or not, we're still kind of going to be talking about some of the same topics because the Wild are still dealing with some of the stuff with Kaprizov, which we'll get into, and still dealing with some of the effects of the Suter and Parisi bios. But we're getting closer to the season every day. And I guess there's no point beating around the bush. This is the big topic with Minnesota right now. Kirill Kaprizov, still unsigned, still a lot of uncertainty surrounding the situation of if he's going to be signed before training camp or before the season, or if this is going to start to drag into the season. What have you gathered from the situation with Kaprizov, and what do you think is going to be the conclusion to this whole situation? Oh, well, I mean, he's going to be signed, but like, is it going to be a five-year deal? Is it going to be a one-year deal? Like, we don't really know at this point. Um, I'm leaning towards a five-year deal. That's what's been rumored. But it feels like every week it's like, oh, the Wild and uh, Kaprizov's camp are close. And the deal's looking like a five-year deal at $9 million cap it. Three-year deal is worst-case uh, scenario because that walks them right into free agency. Hell, if it was a one-year deal, I'm sure Kaprizov would sign that right away. And on the off chance that uh, he gets qualified and someone gives him an offer sheet next season, the, the, the cards are kind of in the wild's corner. They'll be able to make a decision on if they want a boatload of draft picks or if they want to sign this guy at well, what will probably be a... I don't know, digestible cap it at that point. So that that's my personal thoughts on either direction that this scenario could go. I'm leaning heavily on the fact that he will be signed to a four to five year deal. Um, I, I mean, hope it's a five year deal. I mean, ideally would be around six as well. Get this guy locked, locked up, but I don't think this guy's even coming to training camp. I think he's going to have an extended summer as he's still, uh, as he's still enjoying his time in Russia right now. And I think, you know, so many players have done this in the past that why, why is it any different that Kirill Kaprizov and his, you know, hard nosed agent who's, no stranger to pulling punches like this in the National Hockey League. I don't I don't think it's that much of a surprise. I think the Wild fans, just because of this particular player that they've waited so long for, he played not even a full season with the Wild yet, and now is, quote-unquote, holding out for the right contract, that there's obviously just a lot of buzz and continued news about this player. But realistically, I mean, Drew Doughty did it. There's a, there's a laundry list of players who've held out until game one of the regular season, and... I wouldn't be surprised if that's the case with Kaprizov. Yeah, it kind of seems like it's heading that way at the moment. It just, it kind of feels like with Kaprizov, and this is something you brought up, is that this is a player that took a long time to even bring over to Russia. He plays in this shortened season. He's excellent. Minnesota is well above expectations. And now in his first offseason where he's trying to get his first real contract now, the team is dealing with potentially a holdout and a tough negotiation. Bill Guerin has sounded more and more exasperated in every interview. Do you get the sense that the team is just getting kind of annoyed at this? Not annoyed to the point where they would just say and move on from him. Do you think that they're just getting a little tired of the situation and just want to get this done as soon as possible, no matter what the, the price point is? And do you get the sense that the fans are starting to get a little tired of this as well? 
Cool, man. The fans are so fed up. It's crazy. Like some are just turning on Kaprizov now being like this selfish prick. Like, <laughs> are you kidding me? Like you're in the NHL. You're, you're clearly getting good offers out there. Like, why aren't you just, you know, coming back? So yes, the fan base is, is livid and, you know, and, and, and rightfully out of patience, I would say with, with this situation, Billy Guerin is frustrated. 100%. I don't, I think he knew it was going to be a grueling back and forth. But again, and I forget his agent's name off the top of my head, but he was also uh, Panarin's agent. And he, he represents a lot of Russian players, Kaprizov's agent there. Like, he's he's known to be a hard ass. He's known to get get the best deal for his clients and then walk away uh, on his cruise ship uh, with his commish, right? Like, this is just the type of, you know, hard-nosed agent uh, that, that the guy is. So... Billy Garen had admitted when this all started that this was going to be a process. This was going to be a, a marathon, not a sprint. But Michael Russo tweeted out today that Garen uh, said on Kaprizov that he's disappointed, uh, that we don't want, we do, uh, we, we, we do want to have him sign, but we're not the only team in this situation. Training camp starts next week. And when that starts, we're going to focus on the guys we have there. This happens all the time, but we're, we'll just move ahead. So kind of like what you alluded to, like they're going to, the Minnesota wild are going to keep chugging along. They're going to keep putting the focus on who's at camp. Their focus right now is on their uh, rookie camps and their uh, development uh, games that are going on right now, which by the way, the wild and, uh, the Blackhawks had an unbelievable series. Mike Marco Rossi played excellent. Uh, Matthew Boldy, it just looked like the like his puck was like a magnet to his stick. So the Minnesota Wild and their fans are focusing on the rookies right now, and just kind of waiting for Kaprizov to to come back to Minnesota. I mean, eventually he's going to come back. He's going to play NHL hockey this year. He's not going to his KHL team. They made a statement saying that look. Or not that they revoked the offer to him, but that they're moving ahead and this, this KHL season has started. So I, I think uh, when that kind of happens, when the Wild really do just focus on camp and are sure, still going to take the calls and they're still going to talk back and forth. But when the narrative, when all the limelight and all the, the cards are in Kaprizov's hand there, uh, when, when that ceased to happen in a, a few weeks here and in the next couple of weeks, then I think he's going to circle back him and his agent and be like, all right, we'll take the more than fair deal on the table and let's, let's get things rolling. But again, that couldn't, that, that may not even happen until training camps over. And again, I wouldn't be surprised if that would be the case. Yeah. It's just, this has been a very strange situation to follow because it's not like the wild have been lowballing him and giving him like a, well, you've only played a half a season. Here's $9 million. Like are you kidding $9 million at maximum term, which would make him just below Miko Rantanen in terms of pay. And I understand what Kaprizov is doing, but I've said it a million times on my show. That is an incredibly ballsy move for him to be getting what what was seeming to be a shorter term deal i think his goal was a three-year deal yeah because that million, walks so that him right into free agency so yeah, that'd be like worst case scenario for wild they're spending all this money on this player you know in a window that let's be honest man like the wild and i don't think they are if you look in the in what division they play in and their roster on paper with or without caprizov they're a good team they're not an elite team and this is the year they kind of have to go for it before um well the cap hit against the buyout of Parisian Suter really affects them and they have to lean heavily on ELCs. So Caprizov only signed for three years. The Wild, you know, wouldn't be competitive. They wouldn't be going for the Stanley Cup. I mean, and anything can happen if you look at Montreal last year, but you know what I mean. They're they're not in that contender status yet, and he could walk. So the Wild at least want him for five. So 
they got him two more years and you know in the perfect scenario a seven year max deal would be would be the best yeah and that actually brings me ex- exactly to where i wanted to go next in this conversation is how much pressure is riding on this season with the dead cap it's looming and as well with kevin fiala's one year deal also expiring next season and going to be due for a raise there's going to be some be quite frank a lot of a squeeze on the salary cap for the wild in the next couple oh, yeah. of seasons and this is kind of the the go for it year with the salary cap and we'll get into more about what they did with that cap down the line but how much pressure is riding on this season to not just be a playoff team but to go and maybe make that run for the cup well, I mean, every GM and every player is going to say like, oh, yeah, we have the group to do it. You know, this we, we want to compete for the Stanley Cup. That's the goal. And fair enough, that is the goal. But I, I don't think that the pressure is on them to even make the Stanley Cup finals. I think pressure is on them to make the playoffs and make it past the first round. Now, people in Minnesota will say get to the Western finals. And fair enough, they're Minnesota fans because they're used to never getting past the first round. I would say like if they get past the first round and have a competitive second round series, then that then, then you've done at least your job, right? You've done the best that you could do based on the year and, and the tools that you have. And that's why I don't think Griffin that this year, the wild are going to, really rely on a bunch of young players to play in their roster. They're going to, I mean, you know, like Victor Rask has only one more year on that atrocious deal as well. Um, then he come off, comes off the book next year, which clears a little bit more space for the wild to at, at least rejig things a little bit. And let's be honest, he's the top center of this team, but he's not the top center of this team. Marco Ross is going to give going to get every opportunity to succeed this year. But I think, you know, Boldy and some of these other high profile, um, wild players are really going to see ice time in the next few years when the wild are going to have to lean heavily on ELCs. I mean, Marat Kuznadinov, man, this Russian center who's playing in the KHL right now, he only has one more year left on his deal. And he said like, I am coming to North America because I want to be a Minnesota wild. They're going to give this guy every chance to succeed as well. Whether they put him at center or the wing, they have another Russian kid named uh, Alex Kovanov. He's going to come, come over play in Iowa this year. And if, he plays well and you know needs to take that next step. Well, there's going to be roster spots for these young guys, both on the back end and uh, and in, and in their forward group as well. So that's kind of I think the plan this year. And answer your question to go full circle. The pressure is to do well, but let I, I think it's realistic. Like the Wild aren't a Stanley Cup team. Yeah, you need you a top what? center to win a Stanley Cup, and Victor Rask ain't going to do that for you. And you know what? And you're, you're doing a great job right now. You're taking me point to point. You're hitting every <laughs> bullet point because you're going to take me right to my next point in this conversation is, do you like what Minnesota did this offseason with all this extra mm. salary cap that came from Ryan Suter and Zach Parisi? Because if I could just give my take for a second, I was expecting a lot more from them in terms of moves this offseason to really push this team to another level. But I'm interested to to hear what you think about what they did. Cause they got all this space for one year, buying out both Parisi and more surprisingly Suter, who I can argue they should have kept. And do you like what they did with it? Like they, they revamped their defense a bit, but for the most part, it looks like the offense is remaining the same. So what, what do you think? Well, I think again, like they, they had to, and again, I agree with you. Um, I, I think the Ryan Suter buyout was ridiculous. I think that this guy is still in a very, very good defenseman in the National Hockey League. Absolutely. He's still getting paid in Dallas. And like, do you really want 
to pay for no one when he was a more than serviceable defenseman. What it came down to was Billy Guerin wants to not only put his stamp on this team, but put his stamp on the culture of this team. And Ryan Suter did not play into that equation. Let's just say that. It just wasn't going to work moving forward. So he had to go. Parise, from a pure hockey perspective, understand it fully from both culture, hockey culture in the locker room and on the ice. The guy was scratched more times than, than he played this season. So I get I get that entirely. Going back to if I impressed, do I like the moves? Well, to be honest, something cap had to be cleared regardless to re-sign Fiala and to lock in Kaprizov. Um, they did revamp their defense as a result of the expansion draft and um, Suter uh, being bought out and, and moving on. And I, I don't mind what they brought in on the back end. Again, they're very... Uh, digestible contracts. I mean, Goligoski, Minnesota boy <laughs> comes home, a uh, one-year deal. I get it. It's a one-year deal. I personally am not a Dmitry Kulikov fan. There's wild not. fans out there who will argue in his favor. That's fine. Never really liked the guy. I, I thought he would do a lot better than he did in the National Hockey League when he was a prospect in Florida. Um, I think Merrill is a fine player. Jordy Ben, sure, a fine player when he has to... <laughs> When, when, when he's dressed anyways. Um, but now there's room. There's a veteran presence on the back end, which is fine. That I have no issues with that. But there's room if, say, one of these veterans gets injured or they're just not bringing it for younger defensemen like a Kalen Addison or some of these other wild prospects in the system. And, and I just want to say that the Iowa Wild this year probably have the best team in the AHL. It's going to be insane with a mix of great veterans who are like 26, 27, 28, you know, AHL guys you put up over point per game and then really, really, really good prospects who uh, who are either coming from pro in Russia or been elite playing in their respective junior or college program. So so that that's really cool to see. In the As far as the forward groups, again, I said it, they needed to bring in Fiala. They needed to, they still need to sign Kaprizov and they can't really address the center position without making a big trade, which I think they tried. You know, they, they were in on Eichel, they were in on Dvorak, they were in on other centers in the National Hockey League. And let's be honest, the Eichel hasn't been traded yet. So maybe the Wild do circle back uh, to, to that player. We, we don't know yet. But signing the one year with Fiala, again, I would have liked Fiala locked up long term. And even if it's just three years, that I really like that player. He's my favorite player on the Minnesota Wild. Um, and to be perfectly honest, if the whole, if, if Kaprizov doesn't work out with the wild long term, I'm more than happy to see them put their chips in Fiala's basket and then try to groom Marco Ross to be that top center or figure out a way to, to get Jack, Jack Eichel. And at this point, Griffin, if it's Kaprizov for Eichel, let's get it done already because Kaprizov's <laughs> not signing with the wild and Jack Eichel, well, he's going to be out a little bit for surgery. So I'm okay with that deal. I mean, if you want to, if you want to punish Kaprizov for all the all the waiting he's made this franchise do, do and yeah. holding out in this contract, there is not a worse fate I can imagine than sending the poor guy to Buffalo. So, I mean, I'm I agree with you on a lot of stuff. I especially didn't like the Kevin Fiala contract, especially with the the upcoming cap crunches from Parisi and Suter. I just don't see the point of a one-year contract, it's just going to make that squeeze all that tighter. I would have probably preferred to pay a little more for the, the cap hits, even if it was just a two- or three-year deal, if he wants that bridge deal so badly, just to at least tread water through some of the, the upcoming cap crunches. And with Goligowski, 
a one-year contract I think is fine, but at 36 yeah. years old and just been all right with Arizona for the last I, several I, years, good. I think but, they, they just need one more year for Addison to be like up and down and, and groom him a little bit more. If, if Addison can play it in the NHL, even if it's uh, in the third pairing, like he'll get Goligoski's position next year sort of thing. That That's the way I see it. Yeah, it's just... You say that, and I, it just confuses me a little bit with the the timeline of this team a little bit because we're talking about now is the big pressure season, and next year they're going to start relying on guys like Addison and Rossi to fill out roster spots because of ELCs, and this year maybe would have been more or better inclined to go with some stronger free agent signings. It's just that I feel like – Minnesota did what they do best and that's stay the same to an extent. <laughs> sure. But I think they tried and they, and again, in credit to Billy Guerin, yeah. he, he really went after Eichel. And so you can't really like address every other position and spend a bunch of money and then still expect for this deal to go through. Cause that's the biggest thing. If they bring in Eichel, yeah, they're going to have to give up assets like a Boldy or a Rossi, a Fiala or a Kaprizov and a slew of draft picks are going to be in that deal. And you're bringing in $10 million, right? And, and a cap it. And the guy's not even playing this year. So it, it's one of those things that even if the Eichel deal was successful, well, Billy Guerin can't really go for it this year, right? Because he just yeah. still doesn't have that center and he's given up pieces. So I, I think he has a plan. It's definitely long-term as, as, as you can see, evident with the buyout. Um, but he knows and he's confident that rookies can keep this team competitive. And I don't think their development is going to be compromised as a result of what's around them. He did lock up Erickson Eck, which I think was a really, really smart great. thing to do. That's a great contract. Honestly, if I if I could pick any player, like obviously not the stars, but like any player off of Minnesota to put on the Avalanche or any team, it's Joel Erickson. He's good. I love he's good. watching that guy play. He just so responsible defensively and to get him locked up at that money for the full eight years for the prime of his career. Oh man. That contract is going to age very, very well. And man, it's crazy to think, I think he would be the, uh, the, the only Swede that would get like Don Cherry's Canadian approval, you know, like this is a good <laughs> Canadian boy, plays old style hockey. You know, if Don Cherry was still doing hockey night in Canada, he would even give uh, Erickson Eck props. And Don Cherry, he was he was no friend to the Swedish style of hockey for those no. who have watched his highlights back no. in the day. No, he was not. He's just, if it's not Canadian, Don Cherry was not a fan <laughs> at all, which is even bigger praise to Erickson Eck because he, he fits every archetype of just a responsible two-way center and i wouldn't i wouldn't be surprised to see him win some selkies at some point down the line as well now well, that he started I, to to build a profile for himself it's funny you mentioned that because i'm I, I think selkie you think you know boston bruins and i'm like this guy's such like a boston bruin type player oh, yeah. and the wild are lucky to have him <laughs> yeah he may he immediately reminds me of just a younger more raw version of bergeron yeah with the with that power to just piss everybody off like Marshawn. And the guy doesn't even have to say anything. He just has a face that they want to smack, apparently. Apparently so. That's just something that he's always done very, very well in Minnesota. And it's going to, I think he's going to be a big part of the team coming up this upcoming season. But moving on to the next interesting point with the Wild, I wanted to get what you thought was this team's biggest weakness heading into this upcoming season. Because I look at the Wild I feel like I feel like I feel the same as I always have with them. I look at them and everything there is good, not great, but it's good. 
I don't feel like they have one big discernible weakness. So I wanted to get your take on what you think their, their biggest flaw is this upcoming season and, and maybe even their biggest strengths as well. Yeah, I think it's kind of obvious in what I'm going to say here, and that's depth at center. Like, yeah, their defense got a little bit worse. I really liked Carson Soucy. Um, Seattle, they're they're going to have a good, uh, you know, third pairing, even even second pairing guy there. He's he's a tremendous skater. Um, not not a world beater defender, but he gets the job done. So like that that was a hit for the Wild as well as as well as Suter. So their defense got a little worse but it's not bad like it's a solid nhl defense you know not not the best in the league anymore or in like the top five but it's still really damn good um so their their depth at center is still a weakness however we haven't seen marco rossi play at the nhl level now there's going to be some growing pains he's going to get easy matchups but he's going to be in the top six so it's a victor rask a marco rossi a um who the hell is their third pair? Anyway, well then, just like bottom Hartman. six guys, Hart, Hartman. Yeah, he's been playing the he's been playing the wing at, at yeah. points as well. But you got like you know Erickson Eck, and then either Hartman or you know whoever slides in there at center. Like and Nico like Sturm, maybe. Yeah, Nico Sturm. That, that I think he actually did uh, play most of them. They would go back and forth. But so okay, so you have Eck and Sturm as your bottom six. That that's great. Um, Eck's going to get the the harder matchups. But then you have Victor Rasko and Kaprizov's line and a Marco Rossi on either on most likely Fiala's line. So again, it's not bad. And they're gonna they're gonna compete with their line matchups and they're going to play good hockey and not make anything easy for the opponents, but they're not going to move the needle, right? There's there's no McDavid-esque players out there. There's no Nathan McKinnon, you know, at center there. There's no even Kadri at the third line, who is a different type of player than Eriksson Ek, but can still move the needle offensively and be a, a scoring threat as well as like kind of a pest as well. Um, so I'd say center depths. If you want to look at the roster and the construction of their team, sure, that's that's the weakness. The wingers are fine. They the the, the bottom six wingers play the the perfect two way game and have a little bit of offensive flair, whereas the top six wingers are obviously very very good. I'd say the biggest weakest weakness for this team is the fact that they're in the division that they're in and it is going to be tight, man. It's going to be really, really tight this year. Um, that that's what I'd say is the, is their biggest downfall realistically. Cause if they were in a different division, I would think that they could compete a little bit more. And you are really doing just doing my job for me right now. Cause believe <laughs> it or not, my next point was going to be, how do you see the wild matching up with the rest of the central division this season, as the division has seemingly gotten a lot tougher this off season. And I've, I've seen a lot of variance on the Minnesota wild from several different sources. Some of them saying that they'll compete with Colorado for first in the division. Other oh, geez. People, other people think that they're going to tank entirely and fall out of the playoffs. And People like me who kind of see them as maybe around that mushy middle in a wild card spot. So I'm curious to see where you think they match up with the rest of the central. Number four, man, they're going to make the playoffs, but it, they're 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 in the middle there. I, I obviously I think the Colorado they're the best team in that division, uh, followed by the Dallas Stars, and then I think it's the teams on the the 
a lower level. Now, I think Colorado is like elite. Dallas is, is under Colorado. I wouldn't say they're elite, but they're one of the better teams in the division. They're probably going to get second place, I would say. But then you have Winnipeg. Then you have St. Louis. You have an improved Chicago. You have Nashville, which on paper always looks good. Who knows how they're going to play in the regular season this year, but still a competitive team. And then you have the Minnesota Wild. And I, I think that the Wild are better than Chicago. I think that the Wild are better than St. Louis. But I think that Again, potentially Nashville and Winnipeg could really make things difficult for them. And Chicago, like I said, they've, they've gotten better. And if Taves plays, like they're, they're a good team. Now, growing pains because there's a lot of new faces, younger players on that roster, but they've gotten better. And Arizona, I'm sorry to say, sucks for them. It's, yeah, I, 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 the I talked to, to Corey and Richie a couple weeks ago. They, yeah, yeah. They're expecting nothing more than a full-on tank this season. They're counting their draft picks, and they are looking – at four years down the line when they've got a new stadium and a new team, they, they are 14, not. A, yeah. $14 million fourth line, man. Right. Right. As courtesy from Vancouver. How are you? Yeah. Love that. Jay Beagle. I miss him in Washington. Oh, I love that guy. Dude, honestly, he was my favorite. One of my favorite capitals. He was unbelievable. There's I not many. You're a caps guy. I, yeah. yeah, dude, that's my, like that. That's, that's my uh, guilty pleasure team. I just absolutely loved him there. It was it was so sad when Aaron Ashams just knocked him the fuck out in his only fight in the National Hockey League. Yeah, <laughs> that should that, that should that, that should get you kicked out of the league. You touch Jay Beagle, that guy is just he's a great guy. Salt salt of the earth doesn't doesn't even swear. A good Calgary boy, and, and there's not many players out there who win an ECHL championship. You know, um, he's a, the a only Calder, guy. Yeah, yeah, a Calder Cup and the uh, and the Stanley Cup. That yeah. that's unbelievable. Like He's you, the you've only guy you've, in history to have ever done that. No one, no one can ever take that away from the career of Jay Beagle. Only guy Hockey to Hall win of in the ECHL, AHL, and the NHL. I was, <laughs> so funny. We were just talking about the Caps just now. I'm just thinking about what a weird pair we are. We got Avalanche and Wild podcast host. You live in Vancouver. I live in Washington, <laughs> or I live in Maryland. Then we're both kind of caps fans on the side you're covering the wild i'm covering the avalanche just a real funny uh mismatch of information there i always get a kick out of that but yeah it just it just shows though like hockey fans are just a special breed where like you can have your team but you can really break down and appreciate other teams and and other players because it's just it's just that unique of a sport yeah there's no there's no other sport like it and i'm really looking forward to this whole season as a whole and there's a, a full season, man. A full, full season. season. And we're not going to play each other eight times. As, as much as I love playing the wild, I don't want to see you guys eight more times. I'm more Dude, than happy the- to have one. And then you space it out by a little bit. And then another. I'm, I want to, I, as much as I feel weird saying it, I'd like, I miss like playing teams like the devils and like the blue jackets as boring as those games are. I, I miss the variance. I miss just I don't want to play Arizona ever again. I feel like I've said this with every other host that I've had on so far in this series, but it always circles back to, I don't want to play Arizona ever again. I'm so bored of them. You're telling me like I had to suffer through the poutine division up here in Canada. Like I I, was watching the Canucks games and local broadcasts. Like I, I never want to see them play Canadian teams again. It was like, it it was horrible. It was horrible, man. Like I, I can't wait especially now that Seattle's coming in and, you know, local broadcast here I'm from, it's easier for me to watch a Canucks game. I, I have whatever NHL network, so it's easy to get <laughs> wild games or whatever uh, on deck there. But just like local broadcast, local radio, it's going to be awesome to have Seattle as like Vancouver's, 
you know, not really like an unforced rival because they are going to play each other a lot. They are the only teams in the you know Pacific Northwest and the battle of Alberta can just kind of exist as its own thing now, not with the Canucks kind of also hating Edmonton and, and Calgary as well. Yeah. And Seattle is going to be another interesting thing to come into this season as well. I can't wait to play them for the first time. We, we talked about this on after hours last week on where we think they're going to end up in the playoff race. And they're, they're a big wild card. This well, the Pacific season. sucks, man. They, yeah, they've been gifted what... a division where they can either tank or p- compete for a, a wild card spot because yeah. you look at that division and it's like, okay, Vegas, they're, they're that like elite, like Colorado, yeah, but then there's above everybody Vegas, yeah, number then... one, and then it's the rest. Yeah, well, then there's there's Edmonton, which is kind of like the Dallas Stars of uh, of the Central Division too, a, a good team who's going to run that division, right? They're going to win regular season games, and then Calgary. Who the fuck knows? That's just all I'm going to say about Calgary. No idea what's going on with them They're this Calgary. year. They exist in the middle of the league. And then there's Vancouver, right? And it's like I didn't Vancouver in my mind. They're not even a playoff team. They're not a playoff team. But in they the Pacific be. Division, in the Pacific Division, they're a playoff team. And Seattle's right there as well. Now, I think Vancouver is a better team than Seattle. That's no bias at all. They just have they have elite players on their team, whereas Seattle doesn't. But Seattle is a better team than the California teams. They really are. So it's going to be an interesting year. Yeah, and that's that's exactly what we were saying on After Hours last week, where we were just talking about, like, Seattle isn't that good but neither is really anybody else here in the specific division. I mean, and everyone always says, I've said this on my show a couple of times that it's Vegas and Edmonton. I'd honestly say it's just Vegas. Cause I mean, I love McDavid and dry They're going to be one and two and scoring again, and they're going to carry the Oilers, but they still got Mike Smith and Miko Koskinen in that. And no, I think I hear the you. defense got worse. So I, I, I am <laughs> yeah. concerned about how they're going to keep pucks out of their net. I don't think they're going to miss the playoffs. I think they're McDavid and Drysaddle alone can put them there. But yeah, and that's just the thing though. Much of a lock. That's just the thing though. It's just like do you really see Calgary and Vancouver jumping them? Like that's the thing. Like sure, sure. They're 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 not that great, but I still think they're going to finish second. It's just because because of the way that division is. And look, Vancouver could like Halak is their backup goalie. Demko unbelievable underrated. Yeah underrated American goalie. Like he will be probably third string on the Olympic team. I'd have to imagine, right? Like the Canucks could make some noise just because their goaltending is going to be fucking solid. Yeah. I mean, I, I forgot about a lot going to Vancouver. There is so yeah, much so that I. happened this off season. I'm, I'm, dude, I'm with still... that, with, you, we talked about how, you know, and I'll get the train back on the tracks in Minnesota. While we talked about how they didn't make that many moves other than like the, Parisian suitor and you know filling in their defense well like you look at Vancouver and it's just it's just crazy and they still haven't signed Pedersen and Hughes yet yeah I was, I was gonna I almost, I forgot to bring that up earlier when we were talking about other teams having problems I think you're having a rough time right now you oh, have God Pedersen Hughes and Kaprizov on both your teams yeah all well and you want to hear the worst part about it is you know the defensive market has been set so Hughes is making 10 mil whether on a bridge deal or a long-term deal right Pedersen's camp at CAA Pepperson said that they're not signing shit until Kaprizov's deal is signed so that they can evaluate that one so I'm just as a wild fan I'm like please get Kaprizov signed so my Canucks fandom can actually like go to rest you know this has just been such a an amazing off season and it's not it's not even done yet like we were saying they've still got all these guys still to sign oh, man, yeah. and, it, and we still have Kachuk in Ottawa Darlene in Buffalo 
And I was talking with uh, Blues Fan Reacts last week. Still have Robert Thomas in St. Louis that still has yep. to get signed. There's just so much still to go in this offseason. And we're really getting close to the season now. Like, in a, in a month, the season will have already been underway for a week at this point. Oh, did the offseason, like, the like training camp and the, the preseason start in, like, two weeks? Yeah, development camps are going on right now. The Avalanche yep. blew um, a two-goal lead with under a minute left just a few minutes ago. So, I mean, we're already back in the full swing of things. I'm having a good Shoot, time did, already. Did you see what happened in Detroit? That one that one kid, their first-round pick this year, got stretchered off. He got yeah, just I, nailed I in the boards. It, but, yeah, Jared McIsaac got yeah. crushed. That poor kid. I didn't, I didn't actually see what happened. I saw the interview from the guy who hit him. I forgot his name, but he was like tearing up afterwards. He clearly didn't mean to do it, but no. Yeah. Just competitive, competitive camps. And yeah, like got him in the numbers there and you never mean to do that. But like, yeah, I was, he went down hard, but you could see that these, these camps are, they're competitive and actually Kalen Addison for the wild. I, I wouldn't call it a fight because you know, we, we all just saw the Danbury trashers documentary. And if you watch what God, the little I tussle, need, I need to watch that. You I haven't see, seen it yet. Oh I my I, God. Driven. <laughs> I keep meaning to watch it. My attention span is a goldfish. I do work. And then I'm like, all right, today I'm going to watch it. And then it's 10 o'clock and I'm like, oh, I'll do it tomorrow when I have time. Do it right after this. <laughs> tomorrow, when I get home from class, Danbury Thrasher's documentary is going to, I'm clearing the rest of my schedule. That's what I'm doing. Yeah, man. Cause um, our, our guy on the hockey podcast network, Darren, who does the fourth line voice, the OG fight podcast, none of that hockey fight stuff. He um, he's had Brad Wingfield on a few times. He had John Morasti on and they've all talked about playing on this team. And until I saw the documentary, the pieces didn't just come like, didn't come together. But now I'm like, Holy crap. Like, so I went back and started listening to some of these interviews and man, just crazy story and that untold netflix series is awesome there's some other great sports stories um i forget the female boxer what what her name was um but that one was um christy martin that one was one of the best that was one of the best sports documentaries i've ever seen that story was absolutely bonkers man so highly recommend that one as well malice at the palace caitlin jenner one like i watched (laughs) really good palace that was a good one Okay, so the yeah. hockey one's the best one, I'd say, um, but the boxing one's a very close second. Yeah, I just it's everything I love in a documentary, and I have no excuse for not getting to it yet other than the fact that I can't think about anything for more than five seconds at a time. And anyone who listens Fair to enough. my show knows that, knows that my attention span, even when I'm talking, is all over the place. So tomorrow, I'm getting home from college, and I'm putting on the Danbury Trashers documentary, No Excuses. Dude, I'm telling you, you might just watch it twice in a row. It's that good. <laughs> I I really do hope so. I got nothing else tomorrow. Dan Barry oh, Trashers. That you text me. You text me after or while you're watching it, because I like it's that good, man. I'm telling you, just because we're hockey fans, it's that good. Like it's not the greatest sports documentary of all time, but if you're biased enough and love the sport of hockey, um, and love just fighting and old school hockey, you can definitely make an argument. I've. I'm really looking for Maybe I'll just live tweet the whole thing on my personal account since yes. everyone's watched it at this point. Hey, if you tag them at DB Trashers, they'll literally retweet everything. Like nice. AJ Galante, he's running the account and he's just like, he's a man of the people. He even says like, I've been answering everyone's DMs. I've been going on everyone's podcast. I've been retweeting everything. Like, I just love it. So um, yeah, I'm excited. Hey everybody, hope you're enjoying the episode so far. Interrupting to bring you a word from our sponsor, DraftKings Sportsbook. 
Week two of football is in the books, and now it's time to review the tape and get ready for week three with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. To kick off another action-packed week, DraftKings is giving new customers $150 instantly when they bet $1 on any football game with no strings attached. It is as easy as it sounds. Head to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and place a bet of $1 on any week three game, any single one of them, no matter what team, no matter the odds, to receive $150 in free bets instantly. doesn't even matter if you're right. You're just getting that $150 in free bets right away. And if DraftKings Sportsbook is not yet available in your state, DraftKings still has huge cash prizes up for grabs all season long with their daily fantasy contests. And DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. There's no reason not to download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN to receive $150 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any football game. That's promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only, minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer, restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Now, back to the episode. Yeah, I'm looking forward to doing that tomorrow. But speaking of nasty hockey and rivalries, where, how do you see the Wild and the Avalanche matching up particularly in their four matchups this season? Because last year, it seemed like it went back and forth. A couple close games mixed in, but some nights it was the Avalanche running away with things. The other night it was the Wild running away with things. Season series went in the favor of Colorado, but was a little closer than I think I would have imagined before the season. So how do you see these matchups going this season? Well, I think the Wild are still a quick team. I don't think they're as fast as the Avalanche, barring I think the Avalanche are probably, I mean, take Edmonton out of the fold just because they have McDavid. The Avalanche are probably the fastest team, north, south, and in quickness than any other team in the NHL. And that's where they have every other team's number, I'd say. Like, that's their biggest advantage. Um, before even you go down the list of skill and you know some of the grit and tenacity and uh, well and defensive systems that the that they do have in place, so I think where the Wild can compete with the Avalanche is that they they for some reason just just have their number defensively. Where when they're playing in the Wild zone, they actually look pretty good, mind you. Ryan Suter's not here anymore, and the Wild overall do a pretty good job of managing the speed of the Colorado Colorado Avalanche. However, in the games where Colorado is dominated, the Wild have only matched the speed for a period or two, and then they take their foot off the gas, and you can just see that difference between the level of of just skating and quickness. And as a result, the Colorado Avalanche can execute quicker passing plays, and you know it, it's not really the goalie's fault or even the defensive the defenseman's fault on the Wild side. It's just their defensive breakdown can't is not as quick and just can't compete with one of the most elite offensive uh, teams, you know, up and down the roster in the Colorado avalanche. But when the wild do score first and can match the speed, I think that they can with their defense and with, you know, some of their 
quite frankly, magical players that they have in Fiala, who has just crazy good hands, Kaprizov, who just is a man of many, many tools, and just some of these other players throughout the lineup where you don't really expect to pop. Like a Ryan Hartman is, in my opinion, one of the best bottom six players in the National Hockey League. Drafted you know, in the first round, the guy's clearly has skill, but is bought into a shutdown role. And he's not a heavyweight guy by any means. But when he has a little rope, when he gets a favorable matchup where he's not just shutting guys down, like this guy can be a threat. And I think that's where elite teams overlook the Wilds depth. Yeah, it may not be at center, but they're a good team up and down the roster. Like the Wilds fourth line is any team in the National Hockey League's third line. The Wilds third line is their their line that shuts down any other team's top line. So they're a unique team in that front. Yeah, and I think another interesting wrinkle to the matchup this season is uh, Corey and Richie brought up an interesting point to me when I talked with them is that Darcy Kemper, who the Avalanche acquired to be their starting goalie this offseason. He can't play his, against the Wild. He can't he, play he, against the Wild. No. He has his struggles against Minnesota, whether it's just the emotions of playing against his former team. And it's hard to really tell what the issue Dude, is with he him. He breaks but... down against the Wild. It's hilarious. Yeah, and, and he broke down as a member of the Wild when he was with them. So <laughs> less I mean, hilarious. May, maybe it's just some. Maybe it's just the that shade of green in Minnesota that just it might makes be his, makes his reflexes stop working. But it's gonna dude add e- an even wrinkle. even Miko Koivu before he retired was like lipping him off and was chirping him and like got in his head and like Koivu is one of the classiest players to ever play the game and he even got in his head which I thought was hilarious you could see Koivu whispering things that he'd skate by him and Kemper would shake his head (laughs) yeah and so when they eventually do meet up this season that's going to be an interesting thing to see is if Kemper can shake off a lot of those demons that come with playing Minnesota and if he can truly perform against them for really the first time in his career because like we were saying he hasn't been able to do that during his time in Arizona, especially once he got out of Minnesota. He just, for some reason, can't play against them. So if the Avalanche are going to want to win this season series against Minnesota and maybe even a potential playoff series if the fates align, then they're going to need him to, to shake all that off. Because it sounds like such a trivial thing in the moment. I mean, even if he it's bad and if he starts and is bad in all four of those games, it's only eight points, not going to kill you. But I think an Avalanche Wild playoff series could be more likely than we think, especially if the, the Wild are finishing where we both think, which is about fourth in the Central, which would get him that first or second Wild card spot. And we both have the Avalanche winning the division. It's not it's not far fetched to assume that they could play in the playoffs. And if Kemper can't play against them, it's either we're going to be hoping that he gets over it in a more high pressure situation in the playoffs, or Pavel Francouz gets that start instead. So that first game against Minnesota this season, I forget when it is. I can pull up the schedule real quick, but it's going to be interesting to see how he reacts to that. And yeah, the 30th of October, first month of the season at home. Oh, nice. I think is important. He's going to get his first taste of the wild as a member of the abs. And if he can handle that one, I think it'll go a long way for his, his confidence. But uh, until then, it's going to be a lot of questions. I mean, if Caprizov is not there, then the, the real game is the next one. <laughs> that's, that's what I was thinking on a, a couple episodes ago is if, we don't, I think we don't really see the wild after that first game for a couple months, at least not until yeah, yeah. Um, 2022. Yeah, we play them again in January at home again. And then I don't think after again until 
like the very end of the season. Yeah. The 27th. Which, which honestly, that could be fun because it's like, okay, these, these, these matchups, you know, it, it I, I don't know if it's better for the avalanche or worse where they're like, don't want to drop these games. So Minnesota can maybe get that third spot. Cause they'd probably want to play them in the playoffs. Right. Versus a Dallas stars or maybe a Chicago Blackhawks that surprises us or a St. Louis or a Nashville. Right. Maybe they're like, Hey, a lot of all these, like we, we'd rather play the wild because yeah, I mean, they'll shut, they'll shut us down a little bit. And maybe our goalies a little eh, against them, but at least we can outscore these guys, which most teams will be able to do against the wild. Yeah. And we're talking about late matchups. Uh, this is the last matchup of the season will be the avalanche and the wild for us, at least on the second oh. half of a back-to-back on the 29th of April, 2022. So who knows, maybe we'll be determining each other's playoff fates at that point. And well, that will be fun. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be a, it's going to be a very interesting season. I've, I've been very short on predictions so far for this upcoming season because there's, (laughs) there's just so much that can happen. So many wild cards. I was talking with uh, Mason blues fan reacts last week saying that, I think this season more than years in the past and years to come is probably going to be the biggest change in the NHL in terms of just good teams. Cause I have an idea of who's going to be good, but there's just been so many players that have changed hands and coming out of the, or at least somewhat coming out of the COVID world with the shortened season and the bubble and kind of going back to a more normal environment that might, change teams fates a little bit i think we're going to be surprised this season i don't know what it's going to be or who's going to go down or up but i think there's going to be a lot of surprises that pop up this season i'm, I'm just really excited to get started because i just really want to know yeah, watch seattle just dethrone vegas and take that division I, honestly how crazy would that I'd be i'd love it i'd lo- oh, I want more what a story anything. what a story that would be yeah you're navs guys so of course <laughs> That's fine with me, but imagine a Vegas Seattle playoff series. Oh man, the battle of the expansions. The expansions. Oh, they would. Well, that's the thing. The NHL won't market that, but any other pro league would have. Any any other pro league would market that. I mean, I'm I'm talking like, of course. Well, why wouldn't they promote it? They gotta they they gotta bring in they gotta bring in Dana White to promote that. Honestly, they honestly should. They gotta try something at this point. Yes, they're going to ESPN. They're going to TNT. Surely they've got to do a better oh, yeah. job at promoting. TNT, I'm excited. I'm excited for TNT even more than the ESPN. Like oh, the yeah, TNT 100%. panel is gonna be a lot of fun, especially when like Barkley and and Shaq like chime in in the playoffs. Yeah, I'm it's looking gonna be forward a, to that it's gonna be a circus. Anything. The Avalanche oh, yeah. on there a couple times as well. I'm yeah, I agree. I'm looking forward to seeing games on TNT this season because I was talking with. Uh, some of the guys when they announced the the national schedule is that I kind of noticed that they don't have the typical rivalry matchups. I noticed with the Penguins specifically, they only have one each against the Capitals and the Flyers for yeah, their yeah. national games. I thought that was interesting. And maybe it's just my NBC brain being used to always having the same matchups <laughs> shoved in my face every single week. But now that I thought about it a little more, that's honestly probably better for the game just to get more teams out there yep. and to just expose teams more and more. It's not just going to be the Penguins and the Rangers and the Capitals and the Blackhawks. Like to get more of those teams in there and on a national scale, it's probably going to be a lot better and probably like promote the game even more because the NHL has always done a great job in local markets at producing at local markets, just not at a national scale. So to just to get these teams out there more and to get players like Kaprizov who might not be household names to even some casual hockey fans, 
will be good for the wild and good for the league because they just haven't done a great job of that in the past. So I really want to see what they, they can do this off season. Cause I think we're getting a little hype on ESPN. I mean, it might get lost for ESPN among all their other properties, like the NFL, <laughs> like the NBA, like the MLB and every other sport that they have, but just to get it to a larger audience, I think is going to be very important. No, I agree, man. I agree. 100%. Yeah. So anyway, uh, Last part on the wild. You guys are actually hosting the the winter classic this season. Speaking of TNT, they're going to be hosting that. Are you guys excited for the winter classic at all? Cause I haven't really seen much about it. <laughs> well, it, cause it was announced two years ago. Right. But then COVID canceled it the first time around and then COVID canceled it last year again. Right. So the excitement, I mean, there's only so much time you can stay excited for something before you're like, all right, let's, let's get the event going um it's against the st louis blues so again two two years ago sure that would have been a really exciting matchup for just viewers who want to see even some of the st louis players as well st louis you know they're they're noticeably a worse team than they were two years ago um sure they still may be they still may be a competitive matchup it's still going to be a fun event um i think it's about time that has been held in minnesota uh the state of hockey uh, where they have unbelievable outdoor tournaments and things anyways, you know, high school level, college level and things like that. So I think that they're really proud to host it. They're excited. Um, but the overall like excitement kind of faded. And what's funny is the original promo photo, the only player left in the wilds organization on that photo was uh, Jared Spurgeon. That's <laughs> amazing. Honestly, yeah. Koivu, uh yeah it was it was Koivu I think one of one of the goalies is not there anymore um and Suter and Parise were the uh <laughs> or maybe maybe Niederreiter was on there too I can't remember yeah that's I, I honestly I forgot how long ago that was announced I mean COVID has just made everything so weird it's completely screwed yeah. up my my sense of time because that was only oh totally months after I mean what even was the last winter classic was that Dallas yeah yeah, so it was just short. The Walk of Shame the, by Perry. Yeah. Oh yeah, we were talking about that on After Hours. The that, man, that was funny. That was an amazing memory. But what what did you think of the jerseys for the Wild in the upcoming winter class? Um, because they've they've taken a bit of a beating. What did you think about them? Yeah, I, I like them because I like that old school style. Like I love looking at like those early early hockey jerseys not even just nhl but like just early hockey but like throw to nhl like the vancouver millionaires those uh those old seattle jerseys like i love those just wacky old jerseys with like the patches on the elbows and whatnot the only issue i really have with the minnesota wild one is that they had those lines right above the crest um and i thought that like that was just too much especially since it didn't go all across the top of the jersey now i wouldn't have liked that either but that just would have been a little bit more symmetrical um but i think you remove the top lines and it's not a bad jersey at all like it looks like a classic jersey it looks it looks like winter like i don't know it fits it fits the event i think personally i would have liked them just to go out there in their minnesota wild um reverse retros or found some sort of way uh to wear the north stars jersey as i as i know uh, I, I just think it's property of the Dallas stars and, and that ownership group who bought it, which is why they, they can't use that. Um, but anyways, 
I, I know there were, there's been legal troubles and I think there's like a mutual sharing of the term state of hockey because the Dallas Stars actually owned that as well, I think, at one point. And the Is state they? also thought they owned that phrase. So I think there's like a there was I read about it at one point. There's like a mutual understanding that like they're just not going to sue each other for for using it um, or something like that anyways. But as far as the North Stars logo and, and branding, I'm pretty sure that's still owned by either the Dallas Stars organization or the previous owners of that organization. Um because I think now it's actually a BC guy who owns the Kelowna Rockets, who uh, owns the Dallas Stars, which is which is funny enough. But anyways, um, or no, sorry, Kamloops Blazers. But yeah, man, I don't know. I don't have a problem with them. I think that I think they're fine. Uh, a lot of people just rag on it because they're like Minnesota just has never had good jerseys. They've had okay jerseys, and I mean, hey, it fits the narrative, right? It's an okay jersey. Yeah, I mean, and just I like the idea behind the jersey the first time i saw it i actually liked it then i looked at it a little closer and i was just like there's a little too much happening here yeah yeah it's, just, it's what you said with the stripes i think if they remove some of those stripes on the top and the bottom i think it would actually be a really good jersey it probably one that would sell really well but it just it looked like they were trying to do a little too much i mean i'm not one to talk about jerseys right now with what the avalanche are going to be putting out on the road this season with those blue jerseys i'm not a fan of those at all those are those don't look good. So I'm in I'm in no position to judge jerseys right now. But I just thought the the ones with the wild it was just doing a little too much. They just kept it a little simpler. It would have been just a lot easier on the eyes, I suppose. I just really want to see them in North Stars jerseys. Like I mean, Carolina went Whalers. Why can't Why can't Minnesota? I guess there's just too much drama there. With yeah, I mean, we went you know, Nordiques. Them. Carolina went Whalers, and just. Minnesota has to, to act like the North Stars never existed, which is unfortunate because I like the North Stars jersey. Hey, hashtag Norm Green sucks. <laughs> awesome. Well, I got one more thing before I let you go. Real quick, give me a rundown, one through eight, Central Division. Where do you think the oh. Wild end up? I, I think four, man. I think four and the possibility of maybe squeaking out a third, a third position. Mm-hmm. And where do you th- where do you see the other central teams lining up one through? Eight? Um, well, I just closed the tab there. Perfect timing. Um, <laughs> all right, we got Colorado at one. I think Dallas at two. Shoot, okay, the we'll say one. yeah, we'll say Minnesota three, and I will go Nashville at four, St. Louis five. No, Chicago five, St. Louis six, and Arizona at the bottom. I didn't miss any, did I? Winnipeg. Oh, when? Oh, fuck. Okay, Winnipeg's three, the Wild four, then every same order with everyone under that. <laughs> I, I think I have the exact same order, except I would flip St. Louis and Nashville, and that would be pretty much it. For some reason, Nashville has my heart, even though like I don't like Duchesne. I don't. I think Granlin's past this prime. For, for some reason, I look at that team and I'm like, this team should be competitive. I look at St. Louis and I'm like, there's too many holes now. But I, either way, again, it's tight. Honestly. If you flip the team names, I would feel exactly the same. Because with Nashville, <laughs> I, I like Nashville a lot. Actually, I like the city. I like the team. I think they're going to have a rough season. If as Soros needs to be really good. Well, he is. He yeah. is really good. You see his, he, did you see his numbers last year? He did he was not get absurd. the love he deserved. No, he he, he got was robbed. unbelievable. He got straight up, straight up kind of robbed for the best. It was like now, a 2.1... 2.1 goals against average and a, like a 93 save percentage at points. I was like, are you kidding them. me? 
He carried yeah, them. Yeah, it was he unreal. Carried them to the playoffs since the trade done. And now that Grubauer is not on the Avalanche anymore, I, I can say without any hurting any feelings that the Soros should have got that last spot for the best done instead. Maybe I really think so. I yeah. I voted I voted that too. I was like, come yeah. on. And I think their defense still is fine. And they just some of their younger players need to just take the reins. And look, yeah. I I can't stand Duchesne. I think he's way overrated and overpaid, but the stars could align for, for that team. I think Johansson is way better than the rap he gets. He's, he's just a two-way player. Let's let's, let's praise him for what he is. Um, but anyways, I, I'm again, I'm putting my confidence more in Nashville. My heart is with that team. For some reason, Hoppy gives me crap about it all the time. Um, I just, uh, I, I, I think they're going to do better than St. Louis. Chicago could be a surprising team though. I'm just Chicago is the big wild card out there. I have them outside of the playoffs. I don't believe in some of their moves. I don't think Seth Jones is very good. And flurry flurry is the big wild card. If if he shows up ready to go, ready to play, he's the same as he was last year. Chicago is making the playoffs. I just don't think he's going to be. I think there's, I think you hit that switch in your mind where you're thinking to retire, but you come back. There's still something in the back of your mind. That's not the same as it would have been in Vegas for him. So Chicago, I think they're going to be good, but I think the central has a lot of good teams and there's going to be some good teams that are going to, to miss out on the playoffs. And with Nashville, I like them, but I'm kind of tired of them as well. I'm I'm, I'm tired of predicting they're going to be good and that they're, they always disappoint me and they've gotten worse. It looked like Soros kind of carried this team to be better than they were last season. And maybe he'll do that again. But hey, Rene did that for 10 years, man, and they they made some noise. So let's let's maybe maybe it's Soros's time to do that. He's uh yeah. maybe Rene's prepped him and like, look, man, there's gonna be some pain. This team's not gonna score. They're probably never gonna score in their history, but they got some good defensive systems, and if you can just carry them a little bit, you'll make the playoffs. So we'll see if that happens. Yeah, and with St. Louis, the blues guys, they're not overly confident with them but they feel like they'll still be a playoff team but they feel first round exit so in terms of attitude yeah. surrounding teams maybe st louis would be out of the playoffs just considering the overall feeling around them and winnipeg i think is actually going to be a big surprise yo they're team. they're going to be a good team Pierre winnipeg's going to be a good team Pierre well just their, their defense well, yeah, that and their defense is going to be less gutted than it yes. than it was. They've got some guys That's who've been playing there. Yeah, they've been guys who've been playing. They have some younger players who've developed. Like they've addressed some of the positions. Their their forward group is fine. Yeah, like it, it's fine. It's been fine. It's going to be fine. It's fine. Their defense is what held them back, and they still made the playoffs. They still made some noise. They, you know, they they they. Yeah, I, I I'm I'm excited to see the Winnipeg Jets. Right. And Hellebuck's arguably one of the best uh, American goaltenders out there right now. Oh yeah, top top three for certain. And they, like you said, they it looks like they have in NHL defense for the first time in like yeah. two seasons. That's been my thing with them forever. I'd look at their offense; it looks great. They got Connor Hellebuck, and then it just just well, they went from having the best defense in the NHL, arguably, to having yeah. the worst in one yeah, they, season when they Bufflin lost left. All their guys at once. Yeah. And it it drove me kind of crazy because the Jets have like, I've always had a soft spot for them. I've always kind of liked them. And they seemed like they were this cup contending team. They made it to the conference final. Then they they lost to the blues. And then they just kind of tanked because they couldn't keep pucks out of their net, even with Connor Hellebuck being as great as he was. And now that they have a defense. 
Bufflin, Myers, Truba, all gone. In yeah, the Bufflin, Myers, Truba. I think some other some other people on there that I'm missing, but they lost a, a good chunk of players there, and it took them this long to replace them. And Dylan and Schmidt might not be world beaters, but I think it'll be enough. And another thing that I think is flying under the radar is Pierre-Luc Dubois. He, he said himself, I listened to 31 Thoughts recently, that he said he was not himself at all last season. He dealt with injuries for the first time and all the – Dealt with rumors. torts. Yeah, with torts and getting traded and quarantined. He couldn't play for two weeks. He could just never get comfortable. I think yeah. Dubois is going to be huge for them this season. So I like the Jets to make that top three in the Central. But, yeah, I agree with your rankings. I'd switch Nashville and St. Louis, and that would be pretty Fair much enough, it. Enough. Colorado's going to be number one. I, t- I have a whole episode detailing how they could possibly not be. And it comes down to Kemper basically and just depth, but I still fully believe they're going to be number one. So I, it's I their position to lose. It's their position to lose. There are ways they can lose it. I don't think they're going to happen, but there are some ways it's going to be harder than last season, even yes. without Vegas. Agreed. Agreed. I'm so excited, man. Just a few more weeks. This is going to be such a a great season. I can't wait to get started. I can't wait for our first meeting with Minnesota and Isha. Thank you so much for making the time to come on the show today. I really appreciate it. If you want to take the time to plug your show and everything you've been working on, feel free to go ahead. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me on as usual. And I mean, it's not going to be the last. (laughs) We're going to connect a ton this season. We'll have you back on SodaPod. I'm sure Hoppy and I will make some more appearances on your show. Um, yeah, follow the Soda Pod at the Soda Pod. We have episodes coming out three days a week right now and growing. Uh, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. If you're a fan of craft beer, you know, in the state of Minnesota and just USA wide, uh, the Minnesota or the Minnesota Wild, the Soda Pod are the executive producers of a new podcast called the Brewery Travels Podcast, which our friend uh, Joel Geyer travels around uh, the U.S and basically hits up breweries along the way. 746, I'm pretty sure is his number right now. He blogs about it on brewerytravels.com, and now he's connecting with all the great uh, breweries that he's visited um, on a podcast, the Brewery Travels podcast. So check that out. On the Soda Pod side, we have two new uh, contributors under the Soda Pod umbrella. We're going to be producing some content for us. Uh, they're, they're, they're coming soon, so, so stay tuned for that. So it's, uh, it's a lot of fun there covering the Minnesota wild uh, craft beer and pretty much all hockey in the state of Minnesota. So if you're a fan of college hockey there, if you're a fan of uh, the prospects, the Minnesota are you know bringing up um, even women's hockey, um, the soda pod is going to be covering all of that stuff uh, in the, the upcoming months. But for now, again, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Hoppy and I have you covered uh, having fun talking beer and of course uh, breaking down the Minnesota wild. A little, a little Vikings talk uh, with the NFL lately, but that's more just because Hoppy's forcing me to do so. Yeah, a little bit, little bit of a, a downside having to talk about the Vikings because they, Dude, they once again, today's game. Yep, oh my once god, again, man! Comes down to a field goal, and in a surprising plot twist, the Vikings missed the field goal to lose the game, which has what never thirty-seven yards before. or something out. It was yeah, thirty-seven yards. Did you hear? Did you hear god. the call on the radio? The the guy, the, the radio guy, thought they made it. You had to take it oh, back. Oh no, no! I was just watching the broadcast. That's so sad. Yeah. I was giving Hoppy crap. I was like, "Man, you rip on the CFL all the time, but at least CFL players can kick the goddamn football. <laughs> they get points for punting. They know how to kick the ball." 
<laughs> I think at one point Minnesota would be able to just find a guy that can win a game with a field goal every once in a while. But I'll leave that to you guys to cover on your episodes in the future. Isha, thank you so much once again for coming on. And I'm sure we'll talk again at several points during the season. Cheers, man. And that was my conversation with Isha Jerome of the Soda Pod podcast. Always a pleasure to have him on the show, especially with a team that is as surprisingly as interesting as the Minnesota Wild. What a sentence. Whoever would have thought we would be saying that this time two years ago. Interesting team and Minnesota Wild. I honestly never thought we would see the day, even if it is sometimes for the wrong reasons with this Kaprizov situation, but... The Wild are going to be a very interesting team to follow for this upcoming season. We were, we were talking a ton about wild cards in there. Minnesota is a big wild card. I mean, maybe this episode goes up at and Kaprizov signs everything looking rosy with them, and they come out firing. They get their goaltending with Talbot and Kakinen to be as good as it was last year, and maybe they're competing with us for the top of the Central Division. I mean, like Isha said, that might be a bit much, but... They could be a real good team this season, or they could also just not be great. I mean, I've heard plenty of people that do not believe in this wild team right now, and I also understand why. I mean, I don't really like the moves they made this offseason, and Isha gave plenty of good examples as to how they could work out and how they could have been better, but the Fiala on a one-year deal is pretty rough. I, I just don't like what they did on defense, getting rid of Suter and bringing in Goligowski, Kulikov, Ben, and Merrill, like, I just don't think that's very good. I think they're fine players, but with the cap space that they had, I really think they could have done more here, and they still don't have that top-line center. Like Isha was saying, they still don't have that guy that can push them over the edge. Their one weakness is right down the middle with their center depth. And we were talking about how much we love Joel Erickson Eck, but right behind him is Victor Rask, and that's just that's not the kind of depth that's going to carry you very far. And if Rask isn't playing with Kaprizov, which hopefully he isn't, he's going to struggle. So I'm interested to see where they go. I mean, our our confrontations this season are going to be pretty backloaded. We're, like I said, we see them once in October, and that's it for 2021. And we'll see them again in January and once in March... And once at the very, very end of the season, both of those times in March and April will be in Minnesota. So those could be some pretty loaded matchups at the end of the season. I, I mean, at that point of the season, I think the Avalanche will have the Central locked up. At the last game of the season, we'll have the Central locked up for sure. And it'll be Minnesota, I think, that'll have some positioning on the line at that point. But like I was saying, I would not be surprised if the stars aligned for an avalanche and wild playoff series. I would be totally on board with that. I think that would be an outstanding series, a plenty entertaining series, and one that will at least keep the avalanche engaged, no matter whether it's a sweep or a triple overtime game seven. So I'd be plenty on board with that. I mean, it's kind of funny. The way my like predictions have shaped up now, I actually have a rematch for both teams Last year, I have the Avalanche playing the Blues again, and I have Minnesota playing Vegas again because I have Minnesota still in that wild card spot, a wild card one, and St. Louis in wild card two. But the Stars could definitely align for a playoff series between the two. And as we know, my predictions are rarely ever right. I mean, who whose is predictions in the in the preseason are 
absolutely worthless. They're, they're talking points to get clicks and downloads. We can be honest here. Predictions mean nothing at this point right now. We don't know anything at this point in the season. I admitted earlier in the episode, I have no clue what's going to happen this season. But I usually the one thing I'm sometimes right about is when I get feelings about playoff matchups, more often than not, they actually do happen. And I, I've got a feeling that the Avalanche, at some point, whether it's in the first round or the second round, are going to have to get through Minnesota in order to get to the promised land of the Stanley Cup. I've just got a feeling. Last year, I had a feeling they were going to play St. Louis. I followed that the entire season. I ended up being right. It was no doubt they were going to play Vegas, so I'm not going to pat myself on the back for that. But with both the Avalanche and the Capitals, I'm usually right with some of these. And I've got a feeling that they are going to play Minnesota. I don't know if it's the first round, if it's going to be a, like a first first wild card matchup, or if it's going to be the two best teams in the Central going at it in the second round. But I think they're going to have to get through these guys at some point. And like we were saying with Darcy Kemper, that's going to be something that we're going to have to watch if Darcy Kemper can get over his hurdle with Minnesota. So plenty of interesting things to follow with them. I can't wait to see what happens with the Kaprizov situation. And honestly, I can't wait to play them again. They were one of the few things I enjoyed about that West Division last year. I enjoyed each matchup with the Wild last year. I don't enjoy the Wild, but I enjoy playing them. So We'll see what happens in the future. As for this episode, that's going to do it for this edition of the Tell It Abs It Is podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. I really hope you enjoyed. If you want to follow me on Twitter, it's at NHL. You can follow the show at Tell It Abs It Is. We're going to start ramping up content now that the season is well less than a month away. I mean, this is coming up fast, guys. I am telling you, we're already at development camp. We're going to be having preseason games soon, man. We are going to be having preseason games. I mean... I can pull up the schedule real, real quick. The first preseason game, by the time you're listening to this, will be in eight days. By the time you're listening to this, it'll be September 20th. We are going to be in Vegas playing a preseason game on the 28th. This is coming up fast, guys. But I will be there every step of the way with you as we get on to this journey for the 2021-2022 season. I cannot wait. That's going to do it for this edition. I'll see you guys next time. Hope you enjoyed the episode, and I will talk to you guys next time. Enjoy the rest of your week.